Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our seniors minister, Jack Hall, as he brings today's lesson. I've only done this a few thousand times, so you'll forgive me if I forgot about the scripture reading. You're going to need both of the outlines tonight. There's an outline on each side in the boxes, and then there's an outline in the chair. And if you want all of the material, then you need to get both of the outlines. So feel free to take just a moment or so and make sure that you have both copies of the outline. All of you, of course, are aware that our Supreme Court recently made a ruling about abortion. And the ruling basically says that the issue of abortion is not a constitutional issue. And they have returned to the states the individual rights of those states to decide their own laws about abortion. The Supreme Court ruling does not prohibit abortion. It simply transfers the decision about the laws on abortion to the states. And there has been an absolute firestorm since this decision was handed down on both sides. So tonight, I would like for us to, while this issue is so hot, to take a look at it and to review it not from the political standpoint, but from the scriptural standpoint. Now, in any discussion about abortion, there are certain terms that are always going to come up that one of your outlines has those listed. You're going to hear pro-life. There are groups of people, I'm one of those, I'm sure that you are, who oppose abortion based on Scripture. They would look at us, the other side, and say, well, he is pro-life. Pro-life people believe that abortion is taking of a human life. We believe that at conception is when life begins. There are those who are pro-life people opposed to abortion, but they leave a little wiggle room in case of rape, incest, or a health issue. But that kind of describes what people look at and say they're pro-life. And then there's a group called pro-choice. They believe that birth does not begin at conception. And even if it does, it doesn't change the fact in their minds that the woman still has control of her own body and can make whatever decisions she wants to make, including abortion. There are those who believe in abortion at any time 
during pregnancy, even after birth. It's, I just read last night, in fact, a description of how a child who has out of the womb, they put a sharp thing in the base of the head back here and then insert into that pressure that causes the brain basically to just explode. I, I just cannot imagine. There are millions of women across the world and here in the United States who sincerely believe that abortion is a simple way of protection from birth. And they have no thought that they are actually taking a life. Now, some of those are not quite as radical. And they will accept abortion up to a certain point. And I'm not familiar with uh, first semester and trimesters and all of those things. I'm not a woman, I don't understand that. But, but they say, well, during this period, you can have an abortion because the baby is not yet fully formed and it's not really life, and so you can have an abortion. But at a certain point in time, they say no, life now has been formed and you really should not have an abortion. I don't want to paint people who believe in abortion as devils or demons. Um, many of these people are young teenage girls who become pregnant out of wedlock. They don't know what to do, and often what they choose to do is to have an abortion. They're not evil. They're not set out in their mind to, to take a life. It's just a circumstance they find themselves in. They don't know where to turn, and so very often they will turn to abortion. So you have the pro-life that says no abortion. You have the pro-choice that runs the gamut from abortion at any time or for the first few months only. Another word that will come up in the discussion is conceive. Because this is where the nugget is as to whether or not life has been formed. I looked up in four dictionaries the word conceive. And basically, there are two definitions. Number one is to become pregnant. What is conception? To become pregnant. Also, it is to form or devise a plan. I conceive in my mind a plan that I want to carry out. And of course, the definition that we're looking is the one concerning birth. So the very word itself, conceived, means 
life. That's just what it means. And once the seed is implanted into the egg, life begins. That is what conception is. Now, I've put the names of the dictionaries down there in case you want to go home and, and check uh, my research. Um, the word conceived, and I, I found this very interesting. In the old Latin word that from which conceived comes, it's the, biologically, it's the insertion the word means take in. When you conceive, you take in. You take in. So when the egg takes in the seed, life begins. Now, to me, and I'm not speaking on behalf of the elders. I'm not saying that you have to believe what I'm saying. Uh, there are different shades, perhaps, of what you and I are thinking. So uh, I'm not a mouthpiece for the elders. I'm not a mouthpiece speaking on behalf of the Richmond Church of Christ. I'm just a mouthpiece for Jack Hall. I believe with all of my heart that abortion is the taking of a human life. That life begins at conception. And there's no need to worry about the trimesters or any of those kinds of things. We all joke, we've heard jokes about being a little bit pregnant. You've heard those jokes, right? And we all know that's not possible. <laughs> you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. And how is that determined? Well, has your egg taken in the seed of man? Once that happens, your egg has taken in the seed, that is conception, and life begins. The scripture reading that I almost uh, did not allow tonight tells us in Psalms 139, 13 to 16, and of course this is David speaking to God, that you, God, formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I am wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. The Paul, or I'm sorry, David, knew without question that his existence was because of God. And that while he was still in the womb, as yet unformed, God still knew him. And it was God's process of making a child, if you will, until then finally that child is born. When did the pregnancy which led to a birth begin at conception when the egg took in the seed 
In Job chapter 3, we all remember Job. He lost everything he had. He was covered from head to toe with boils. He had these three good friends that kept telling him it was his fault and if he would simply repent and pray to God that all these things went away, would go away. And Job, in his despair, understood that he asked God, well, why was I ever born? And look how he puts it together in Job chapter 3 in the first three verses. Let the night perish in which it was said, there is a man child conceived. He's looking and says, it had been better if I'd never been born than to go through all of this. And so it's a dark night. It's a gloomy night. It's a sorrowful night when it is announced that a son has been what? Conceived. In Job chapter 3, verses 11 through 19, he was alive inside the womb. He had a soul inside the womb. Even if he had been stillborn, his soul would still exist. He classified a stillborn baby as a soul. Now this is Job talking about humanity and the suffering and what man has to go through. But recognizing that it's God who created man, it's God who established the idea of procreation through conception. And he says that a stillborn child, one who is born without life, has a soul. And it will be with kings, counselors, princes, and all who die. The wicked will get their reward, and the righteous will be at rest. And what he is referring back to is this idea of conception. It would have been better if I had never been conceived. But the fact that I was conceived, God knew me in the womb. Genesis chapter 25, 21 through 23. Rebecca conceived. Remember, she couldn't have children. And she prayed and she prayed. And finally, she was allowed to have children. And the Bible says that the children struggled within her. Now, we know once that children are born and they get to a certain age, they struggle constantly. They wrestle. <laughs> they race. They compete. They throw rocks at each other. They struggle, but we're talking about in the womb of woman. And there were twins who struggled within her. When did that begin? At conception. God said to Rebecca that there are two nations within you, referring to the men that would be born, from those would come nations. God said the older would serve the younger. And it points out 
again, God saw them in the womb. He knew them in the womb. It was not just a glob of tissue inside Rebecca. It was children that she conceived. Again, going back to that Latin word, when the egg took in the seed, she conceived. God knew them in the womb. He knew what was going to happen when they became men. And it was all seen while these children, unborn sons, were still in the womb. In Exodus chapter 21, it spells out the punishment for taking the child or taking the life of a child who is still in the mother's womb. If a woman, and I love this phrase, quote, with child, that's the translation, if a struggle occurs and there is a woman with child who is injured during that struggle, two things are possible. If the child is born prematurely because of this struggle, but the child is healthy, then all that is required is a fine for those who were involved in the fight and caused this woman to give an early birth, but it happened to be a healthy baby. But if that struggle caused the premature birth and the child died, then it was life for life. Now notice, God is talking about a pregnant woman, a woman who has conceived. And if the child is born without harm, it's just a fine. But if the child dies, goes back to the old eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That which is inside the womb of a pregnant woman is a child, even before it's born. In Isaiah chapter 44, in verse 2, and of course Isaiah is through God speaking about the nation, and he says, who made Israel a nation? You know, Israel was constantly rebelling against God. Constantly, no matter what God did for them, it wasn't enough. And God said, well, who made you a nation in the first place? And then God formed you in the womb. Now, he's talking about the nation of Israel which would come from the seed of Abraham. So that nation was a child inside the womb. Not only did God make you a nation, but it was God who formed you in the womb. You wouldn't even exist if it wasn't 
for God. We could continue in Isaiah chapter 44, verses 24. It's the Lord who makes all things. The Lord formed you in the womb. Isaiah 49 and 1. The Lord called me from my mother's womb. He made me from the matrix, that is, the inward parts of my mother. It was God who puts together, if you will, a child who is still in the womb of the mother. You see, the reason this thing about conceived is so important is those who want to put a time limit say, well, in the first few hours, first few days, first few weeks, the child is not formed, and then it begins to form a little bit, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And so if you abort that child here before it's completely formed, then you haven't done any harm. But the word conception simply means pregnant. And at conception, life begins. And the Bible speaks of it over and over and over again. Jeremiah, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5. I knew you before I formed you in the womb. I knew you before I formed you in the womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you, that is, I set you apart for a particular job, and that is to become a prophet. Now I ask you, is God talking to non-living tissue when he tells Jeremiah that I formed you in the womb? Was that non-life tissue that can just be washed from the body and no harm done? Before you were born, I had already determined for you what your job was going to be. While still in the womb, God knew Jeremiah, and he knew who Jeremiah was going to be, and what Jeremiah would mean to the nation of Israel while in the womb. In Luke chapter 1, and I love this account, God told Zacharias that his wife would have a son. You remember, Elizabeth could not have children. They prayed for a child late in life. And God opened her womb. She conceived a son. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, I ask the same question I did when we were talking about Jeremiah. Is the Lord here talking about a non-living mass of tissue inside Elizabeth. No, he is talking about a conception. 
a child being formed within the womb. You know that Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, went to visit Elizabeth. This is all in Luke chapter 1. An angel had told Mary, you will, this is a quote out of the scripture, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son. Mary goes to visit Elizabeth. And when Mary told Elizabeth that she also was pregnant, the Bible says the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb. Now the important thing about that verse is, is that when the angel told Mary that she would conceive a son is the exact same word as when it says the babe leaped within Elizabeth. What's the point? A son was conceived. It was conception that led to the birth. The conception of Mary, of course, was miraculous through the Holy Spirit. The conception of Elizabeth was a non-miraculous event which God allowed her to have a child later in life. But the same word is used talking about a living son or the babe who is still in the womb. It's the same word. Meaning that this babe became a son at conception. In Luke chapter 1, in verse 57, it said, Elizabeth brought forth a son. What did the scriptures say was going to happen? She was going to have a son. And how did she do that? When she conceived. I didn't put this in the outline, but if you want to read it, I believe it's verse uh, 56 of Luke chapter 1. And if that's not the right verse, you just keep reading and you'll find it. The angel that came to Mary to tell her that Elizabeth was pregnant said that Elizabeth was in her sixth month. Okay? Now my question is, how do you know? Does that six months start two weeks after conception? Does that six months start a month after conception? When did that six month happen? When she conceived. There is no question in my mind that the Bible tells us that we are products of a human, or rather a spiritual design, a creator that has formed us within the womb of woman. And at the time of conception, a child exists. In Luke chapter two, 
verses 4 through 7. We know that Mary was in Bethlehem. She brought forth a son whom she conceived in her womb. That same word, when it talks about Mary conceived, is the same word that talks about the son that was born to her, Jesus Christ. Same word. When she conceived, she was going to have a son. In this country, depending on which survey you want to look at, since the Roe versus Wade decision by the Supreme Court in 1973, more than 64 million fetuses, as they say, have been aborted. To me, in my understanding of Scripture, that is 64 million children taken from this world by abortion. They will be in heaven, thank God. Their soul will live on. But as far as I'm concerned, we as Christians need at some level to be involved in this discussion about abortion. Our children are going to hear about it in schools at a young age. There are going to be teenage girls who uh, feel overwhelmed and they don't know what to do. They don't know where to turn. They have no real guidance about pro-life possibilities. So we as Christians somehow need to step in and help fill that void. Now, I know there's not a lot we can do. I don't want to get on a bus and drive to Washington, D.C. and carry a sign. I don't think that's going to amount to a hill of beans. But within our family, within our circle of good friends, within whatever circle of influence that we have, we need to help people understand that according to Scripture, or at least my understanding of Scripture, Abortion is the taking of a life. I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I know that everybody here is opposed at some level to abortion. And the only reason I bring it up is because it's such a hot issue right now. Buildings are being burned and bombs are being thrown into offices and graffiti is being written and traffic is being stopped and there is violence and it's going to continue. But if people understand that it is a life, it's not a fetus of lifeless tissue, it is a life. Again, I don't want to demonize the people who have had abortions or support abortions but I would love the opportunity for some Christian somewhere to have this discussion with those people about what abortion really is and when children are conceived. Bow with me in prayer if you would. Heavenly Father, we know that abortion is against your will. 
We know that every child has a soul given by you and that every child, even while still in the womb, in the very early part of formation, is a child that you know, that you love, and that you have given us the charge of taking responsibility for. Help us, God, as this discussion continues in our nation, that we be prepared and feel comfortable in talking to people about abortion, not to do it in hatred or meanness, but to do it in love with an understanding that it's a gift from God, a living soul formed at conception. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. There's nothing about the message tonight concerning the gospel except that God is love and out of that love he created us and then he sent his son Jesus Christ to save sinners tonight if you've been thinking about becoming a Christian and have been holding back for some reason uh, this would be a great night to let go this would be a great night to begin your walk with the Lord if there's something in your life and you would like to have the prayers of our shepherds and the congregation, we would be most happy to assist you as we stand and sing together. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m., followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. Thanks for listening.